0: Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com.
1: Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Century Eastern Wonders... And how in the world do you pronounce this? Plus details on their second Gen Con Strike Tournament. Hey, why don't we ever play that game? Uh. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 148, Changes in Latitudes, changes in attitudes my name is marty and i'm tony tony gotta ask you a
0: question always you always do are you a parrot head uh no not really i'm not i mean i've got jimmy buffett's greatest hits i mean you've got to have that but no i'm not a parrot head however i can do fins to the right fins to the left you're the only bait in town i do know that one and cheeseburger it's in paradise what did you say fins to the left fins to the right And you're the only baby. Is that the line? No. I don't know. I thought it was the only girl in town. It probably is, but I make it baby. Okay. (laughs) Listen. Okay. So when we're done, my new Amazon Alexa Fire Cube that was delivered last week. Okay, Uh that I got set up. I'm no longer envious of you and your Alexa. I have one now and I can sit there and I'll say, Alexa, play music. And since it's tied to the TV, the lyrics are coming up. And I'm like, that's not what those lyrics, even though they're printed on the screen. Those are not the lyrics I'm used to.
1: Is it because you didn't know the lyrics before? Yes. I had no clue what
0: the lyrics were.
1: (laughs) In case people didn't realize that song, the title song is a a Jimmy Buffett song, and Jimmy Buffett fans are called Parrot Heads. I don't know whether the young folk still get into Jimmy Buffett and have Parrot Heads. I know that a lot of people that I graduated with are heavy parrot heads, and every time he comes into the area, they're posting pictures all over social media of them wearing their little Hawaiian shirts, going out to the arena, getting drunk, and having little umbrellas in their drinks. I I don't get it. I just don't get the whole thing. I mean, I guess it's an experience, because I don't really get into the Jimmy Buffett music.
0: Uh, No, I understand that, but I mean, it's a relaxing type thing. That's his whole music about relaxing, being out on the beach, having a good time, just decompressing and that's what it's about and yet the man can if he were to go on tour i don't think he's on tour anymore but if he were he oh he is still, oh he, he can sell them out Every single concert, the man can sell it out. He can sell them out as long as as the audience stays alive, because I think they're dying off. I don't know about that. There's a resurgence in this. Even my daughter's listening to Coming Around to the 80s. Even your son, uh, Adam, I believe, is listening to some 80s, but I know it's not Parrothead music. No,
1: uh, Travis listens to Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you need to introduce him to some classic Buffett. Do I? I think I'm okay with the Iron Maiden uh, line he's taking over there. First off...
0: Yes, I, I must admit that something happened
1: in the la- uh, two shows ago, two shows ago. Wow. I, I, I got to back up here. So that's 146. What happened in 146? I could have gotten us another star,
0: another star, mm-hmm, another star review. I did not mean when I was talking, I thought it was just funny. How long it took things to happen with package deliveries. I was not being detrimental to any employees.
1: Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I, I know what you're talking about. That's right. I, I, don't, I don't want to bring it, bring it up to sore subject again. I'm just,
0: I, I did. Employees always, as a manager, I've been taught my employees
1: always want to do what's best. And now you're a manager too. You're subtexting here or subtweeting. Uh, somebody contacted us. <laughs> they said, This is the first time I ever listened to your show. You did a whole 10-minute bit on how slow FedEx delivery is. As I sit here and work as a FedEx employee, I'll never be listening again. It's like, oh, yeah, that no, was no not- No hard feelings. Uh, no that hard was, feelings at all. Yeah, no hard feelings at all. That was not our- Okay, that was not Tony's intent because I had nothing to do with that bit. That was all Tony. Wait All man, Tony. Hold on. Is that a bus I see coming? <laughs> because I oh, just got Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big old
0: greyhound heading your way because I'm Mr. Innocent over here. Employees, wherever you work, they are wanting to do a good job for you. And sometimes, and as I'm learning, process gets in the way of people. And unfortunately- that makes them not to be as successful as you need them to be. <laughs> yeah, I would stop. Hey, I'm having to read a new book here at my company about extreme ownership, and they're teaching me all, all about duck and cover and things like that. Okay, never mind.
1: I I, no, I hate it when companies say, hey, you need to read this new book. Hey, there was a new book last year. What about that book? Oh, no, we're doing something totally different now.
0: Well, yes, but I actually read last year's book, too. So we get to we, we have a, our book club at work, and this one's actually very, very good. Extreme Ownership, I highly recommend it to anybody who has, you know, that's in leadership to, to take a good look at this one. <sighs> hey, he has a lot of podcast followers.
1: Boring.
0: No, it's not. It is boring. Okay, fine. Kind of like this show. So let's get to what we're all about, games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's talk about something that's happening out there. Obviously board games are in the, the thing now because Origins attendance is up according to my show notes here that somebody typed.
1: So yes, Origins attendance was up. They had just released that attendance has grown. Unique attendees have grown by 9.7% this year, going up to 18,648 attendees up from 17,000 last year and being there, it did seem that there was a little bit more congestion, but it still is not bad. It's still not Gen Con. In fact, there's a lot of people walked around. They said they're still amazed that with all the people that are in here, it still doesn't feel packed like Gen Con does. And I still think one of the reasons why is I think their aisles are wider. I could be totally wrong. I should have pulled out a tape measure and measured their aisles. And when we go to Gen Con this year, see how wide those are. Could it be that there's just not as many vendors there as well? No, oh, no. I mean, you mean overall? Oh, no, yeah. there's not nearly as many vendors as Gen Con. I'm just saying the way the floor is laid out, you're not constantly bumping up against people. And then outside of the the main hall, there just seem to be a lot more people sitting around playing in the open gaming areas and the demo tables and stuff. So, Good for Origins. I mean, I love Origins. I remember when Origins, one uh, one of the first years we went, they had less than 10,000 people. And uh, so they've really grown over that amount of time. I still just wish that more publishers would use Origins as a way to launch their product, much like Plan B did. Plan B kind of stole the show with two games that we're going to be talking about tonight, Century, Eastern Wonders, and Coimbra. I had to go look up how to pronounce that. They kind of stole the show because they were not competing against anybody else. So I'm surprised other publishers haven't taken a title or two and tried to grab some of the spotlight and release at the same time to 18,000 unique attendees. Yeah, but why not just wait another month or two and go to GenCon? Then you're competing against hundreds of games and you could get lost in that shuffle. Why do that? when well, you can have the spotlight to yourself. Thank you. That's what I thought.
0: No, I... I- don't disagree well i could disagree with you to well you shouldn't bring- because I am right. Okay, fine. So they go and they release it at Origins. Now you're moving up all their production timetables. What are they going to show at Gen Con?
1: I didn't say every single title. Plan B probably has other titles coming out at Gen Con. I'm just saying if you just tease the waters and go, here, here's a game or two. So, so you bring a game to market early. Okay, what do you mean early? They could plan this a year or two in advance. I'm not saying early they could plan. By the way, let's go ahead and set up to release this game at Origins. That's not early. That would be on time.
0: Okay, follow the logic here. All right. So if they plan it to come out at Origins and then they release another game at Gen Con, fine. Then the game that there was the hotness at Origins gets lost in the shuffle at Gen Con. But instead, let's let's say, well, we're releasing at Gen Con and, and we've got a select few games that we're going to push at, at Origins to build up the hype towards Gen Con. That's what you need to do. Well, that's what I'm saying.
1: No, you're saying release it at Origins.
0: That's all of it.
1: No, no, I just said release a few games at Origins instead of doing it all at Gen
0: Con. So you're willing to piss off your fans by having a
1: limited selection at Origins? No! Do you not see we're in agreement here? We're both saying take a few select games, release them at Origins. You can still save your big ones for Gen Con, but at least grab some of that Origins Spotlight. And those small games which may have been uh, not noticed at Gen Con, you can get a lot of recognition at Origins.
0: Okay, fine. I mean, if you want to do that and degrade your base, that's fine. Why
1: do you mean degrade my base?
0: How am I degrading the base? Because... Once again, you're telling those fans of yours that here are some copies of a game. The main release is at Origins, but we're going to bring a, f- a hundred of them.
1: No, I'm not saying. I'm not
0: saying that at all. Don't I'm bang saying that. on the table, you mess up the recording.
1: Like for example, Century uh, uh, okay. Editor Marty here. Well, Tony was right, not about the Gen Con Origins thing, but about the fact that me pounding on the desk would mess up my mic. It did. It actually disconnected the cable from my microphone. So for the next several minutes, I was talking and could not be heard. So what we're going to do is fast forward to later in the conversation.
0: Okay, fine. If you want to have your business this way... You oh go my right gosh, ahead. you mean profitable? If you want to call it that, I'm just, <laughs> you know thinking you might as well bring the whole product to Gen Con.
1: I don't know why I'm so worked up over this. I think it's because you're saying exactly what I'm saying, but somehow you're arguing with me about it. Hey, it only took me 26 years to get good at that. Editor Marty here, and once again, the cable became disconnected from the microphone. Again, we're gonna fast forward to later in the conversation when we start talking about our meetup that's gonna be happening at Gen Con this year. You and I
0: both are gonna be at Gen Con somehow, some way, some form or fashion. We're gonna be there. I don't know if you realize this, but Getting a place in the Gen Con area is kind of tough around Gen Con. And even for places that may be small venues, they're like, well, of course we're full up, you idiots. We're going to sell it out to everybody. I mean, this has been going on for a while. Did
1: you honestly think that you could just walk in and get a spot? Well, no, 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 no. It's not even that credit to you for doing a lot of calling and talking to a lot of places. There were a lot of venues that we could hold a strike tournament and people may be wondering why not just use what we used last year. So last year we just kind of warned the Omni bar, the the Omni hotel bar that we were going to come and it kind of became somewhat of a fiasco because we had a lot of people come and it was crowded. It's to our surprise. And it was and it, to our surprise. And it was crowded. It was loud. So we said, okay, this year we want the whole thing to ourselves." And they said, okay, you can do that for, what was it? $6,000? Uh, plus gratuities around 7000 total. $7,000 for that little space. Well, obviously, uh, unless you just want to hurry up and go back our PodPledge. It's PodPledge.com slash RDTN. We don't have the funds for that. But Tony, you called around to a lot of places and most every place was at least $2,500 at least, right? Yeah, at least that. And I mean, it's yes, it is about
0: the money because there's no reason to spend that kind of money out there to show that you know, gladiators in the arena are still champs. It's just not worth me to waste that kind of money to prove once again, just how powerful that game is. (laughs) So I was, (laughs) so we kept calling around and here's here's how it's going to drop down people.
1: All right, here we go. I like this one. We We got
0: plans. So we were able to secure Old Spaghetti Factory 210 Meridian Drive, and I'll post all this up because I'm probably wrong on that, but either way, we were able to secure the old spaghetti factory, which is right near the (coughs) convention center, and we will be hosting a spaghetti dinner, actually there's multiple entrees, for 80 RDTN listeners, that's it, it's limited, that's all they can seat, sorry we wish we could do more, but we really can't, but here's the thing. We're going to need you to put a little skin in the game. So what we're going to do is we're going to sell tickets to this. And basically, you know, you got to
1: eat people. You know, you're going to be hungry. Especially since it starts at 545. So we got the dinner hour to do this event.
0: Dinner hour. It's only 15 minutes before the um, convention floor closes. So you can break away. You're not going to be able to start any other games. So you just walk two blocks away to the old spaghetti factory. And you're going to go to our pod pledge site to buy these tickets. And it's going to cost you $10. But what do you get for $10? It's not just a piece of bread. You get bread, you get a salad, you get an entree, you'll have your selections from two or three, which we will tell you about in a minute, and a dessert. That's right. For $10, you are getting a dinner on Friday night, August 3rd at 545 at the Old Spaghetti Factory near the convention center Sound like a deal for you? I think it does because you know you got to eat. You know you got to keep the carbs up because there's going to be a lot of gaming, and more importantly, it fits into the theme of gladiators because it's Italian Rome. <laughs>
1: okay, it's it's noodles in a bowl. Sure, if you want to call it that, that's fine. <laughs> so, but you've got the best part. This will be a strike tournament. Even though we're going to have dinner there, we will set up the strike tables just like we did last year. And we will have the strike tournament where we're split into two teams. We'll have team Gladiators in Arena versus team Dice in a Bowl fighting their way to the top for the ultimate champion again, where the loser, either Tony or I, will... Is it really in the squirrel suit?
0: You and I can talk about that. But yeah, we got to put some skin in this game too. We'll
1: put up some skin in this game just like last year. and. We are going to have some special guests there. We are excited to say that Rodney Smith from Watch It Played, who wants to guarantee that Strike remains gladiators in an arena, has agreed to co host this event with us. So, both RDTN. And watch it play will be offsetting the cost of the meal to try to keep this as cheap as possible so that you so that everyone will come that can come. Face it, everybody, there's no way you're gonna get that amount of food for just 10 bucks on a Friday night, right? We're talking bread, salad, dinner and dessert and a drink for 10 bucks.
0: It's not an alcoholic drink. Let's be very clear yeah, on that. Yeah, that's true. You can get that. You can.
1: You can, that, but that, that's I'm on your sorry, own. That's gonna come out of your pocket. So for just 10 bucks, we'll cover the rest. We want you to come hang out with us, play some strike, We're talking to some other companies that may be sponsoring us and may will have maybe have some prize giveaways. That part we're still working out. We just had to get the venue nailed down first. But now, Tony, here's the thing: there is a cutoff date for this because we'll need to ask everybody what do they want, and then a week before we need to let a week before the event we have to let Old Spaghetti Warehouse or Old Spaghetti Factory. Factory let them know how many people are coming. So, Tony, what is the cutoff date? So, the
0: last day you can buy tickets is July 19th. You have to have your tickets bought by midnight, July 19th on the pod pledge. Once again, it's a limited number, 80 people. And then the next day I will go out with a survey from all those emails and say, okay, I need you to pick what you would like so that I can shift it over or send it over to the spaghetti um, factory so they can get prepared and all that. And you'll have at least till Wednesday, the 25th to get that in and back to me. So <clears throat> once again, pod pledge. Go to our pod pledge, which I'll have a link in the blog notes. It's over there on our BGG Guild number 1589. Go there. We hope you can all make it. I will say this, Marty. It's like a Kickstarter here. If we don't have at least 25 people Mm. with striking the streets with water bottles. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we do need a minimum of 25 people. I promise you, We will have a good time. I know last year's event was free. We were hoping to do something like that again. We were hoping to open it up because we got way more people than eighty last year and we were expecting way more this year. It's just that once we started running the numbers, it just didn't make a lot of sense. So we said, okay, we're just going to scale it back. We're going to limit it, but we're going to make it a very pleasurable experience. Make sure you're fed, make sure you have a good time. It's for two hours from 545 to 745. So you can just hang out with us, have some fun. Like I said, we'll have some other guests. We'll do some giveaways just like we did last year. I think it'll be a blast. We, we hope that you can make it. And if you're interested in making it, please go buy your ticket ASAP. Yeah. And I know there's going to be some people, Marty,
0: saying, well, why don't y'all just crash your place? Why don't you just say we're going to meet up at this bar? Because... They don't like that. No, they and don't.
1: They, they didn't last year. They didn't like
0: it. Like, and that was a confusion on their part, actually, when they told us, "Oh, that will be fine." And if you listen to the secret cabal and you hear Jamie's uh, history with all this, you know what a tr- what a pain it is for them when they say, "Oh, just show up," and then suddenly they're inundated. They're not prepared for the drinks. They're not. They don't have the weight staff, and everybody gets frustrated, and it's just not a good time. Right. So, once again, we we hope those of that are interested buy a ticket, come join us for a spaghetti dinner. There'll be other options, of course. And oh, and if you have a special dietary need, the spaghetti factory will work with us definitely to do that. And I'll make sure there's a comment filled for that when we send out the menu. They will take care of you, they said. Uh, The only other thing I'm going to say is you put $10 in the game. Is there a way to get your $10 back? At this time, I'm going to say no. Oh, Hardship cases, are on a case-by-case basis. But POP pledge does not allow us to quickly do refunds and things like that. So I don't have a way to ramp up and ramp down and things like that. If Chaz can figure it out, that'd be great. But right now, the answer is no, unless you somehow contact me and say, hey, here, this is coming up. Can I get my money back? And then we'll make something uh, happen for you.
1: Obviously, if something happens, there's emergency something, we'll we'll definitely definitely work with you. You're not going to get stuck. But we do want to make sure that the people who want to come plan on coming. And again, like I said, we need at least 25 to show up. So uh, we're going to make it worth your while. We promise. Like Tony said, you got to eat. 10 bucks. We're going to feed your belly. We're going to have some fun, have some laughs. and, And we'll see where it goes from there. Make sure to pay attention to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter because as we get more information, we'll be sharing this and we'll have another episode before the deadline to share even more information. Okay,
0: I'm glad that's over. Now, now it's got to happen. Oh, oh good gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh! Before before we
0: run into a, our first commercial, I got I got a story to tell you. I always have a story. All right, I love stories. Here
1: we go. It's story time.
0: I I went to um lunch with a young intern who's now an engineer um at Duke, and I I brought him in, and he got hired, and all that, and it's been many years, and he's interested in games. So I thought, hey, let me let me show him a good two player game, and don't make any comments mm. on this. But uh, so we went. It was five dollars smoothie at Smoothie King. We went and got our smoothies. It was a nice day outside of Charlotte, believe it or not, last week. And we played Shards of Infinity. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So we're playing Shards of Infinity. We're sitting at the table in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. And this has a cover. It's beautiful. It's a nice soft breeze blowing. And suddenly this huge breeze comes up and rips the cards up off the table. They go flying everywhere. To my left is a fountain. Oh, no. I
1: went, where did they put water in that? It's been drained for years. <laughs> Is our only copy RDT and copy of *Shards of Infinity* ruined? They are not ruined, but they are nicely put in
0: sleeves now. Oh, jeez! <laughs> now they're marked. No, you can't tell because they're in sleeves. That's why they're in sleeves, dude. It just, I just can't bend shuffle. I can't rifle shuffle them. So, so anyway, so here I am. Downtown Charlotte, I have to take off my shoes, take off my socks.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't one of those situations where the card just went to the edge of the fountain. It oh, went no. deep into the fountain. Oh, no.
0: Oh, no. So I had to roll up my pants leg. And so <laughs> I'm walking through the fountain, which you're not supposed to do here, picking up about four or five cards. As I'm walking back towards the table, he goes, Man, that was unexpected. And guess what happened? Oh, no. <gasps> Another big win comes and what cards he didn't have pinned down. Three more cards go flittering through the air. Meanwhile, all these people are watching me. Why didn't this guy get this on video? That's
1: just it. If this is gold, gold. at least a picture.
0: So I have to climb back in the fountain, chase this little card (laughs) down through the fountain, pick it up, bring it over. And I'm sitting there patting them dry, patting them dry. I you know, he goes, well, I go, well, we're putting this away and I'll teach you this game later. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that was my experience with Shards of Infinity.
1: portal was not at origins to release anything because they are saving their big game for gen con and that game is detective and even though Ignacy is worried about the hype over the game it is going to be probably one of the more popular games that's going to be coming out at gen con don't listen to
0: ignazi he's too busy watching this world cup stuff anyway <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> he's more hyped up over that than he is detective at this point
0: so be sure to visit portal games at portalgames.pl
1: Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. One of our highlight games last year was from designer Emerson Machuishi and Plan B Games with a game called Century Spice Road. In this game, you're trading goods for the whole purpose of collecting a certain combination of goods that can be used to generate victory points. It's kind of the exact same concept here, except this one's played over a series of rounds where you're moving a boat around a board that's made up of little islands. So gone are the cards from century spice road enter tiles and each of these tiles have basically your trading mechanisms between the cubes and on your turn you're going to take your boat you're going to move to an island and if you want to you can drop a market there that will allow you to take advantage of that market and be able to make those trades but tony the whole rule goal of the game is to try to set up all these markets for the sole purpose of collecting victory points for
0: the win baby now Unlike the original, you're not having only certain cards in your hand. Everybody can use the islands that are out there.
1: You just have to get a market out there. Which is a big plus for me. Do you like that aspect of it better? I I agree with you. Because one of the issues I have with Century Spice Road was the fact that if I really wanted a card and I couldn't get to it in time, I lost it. Here, everybody has the chance to take advantage of the exact same markets. You just got to build a market one of your market tokens there now it may cost you if there's already existing markets there, you got to pay one cube of your choice in order to build a market. But once it's there, you can use it anytime during the game just by landing your ship on it.
0: And another aspect of it is that when you were claiming the cards in the original, you, you could drop cubes on it to go get the next cube. <coughs> well, here, sorry, thank you. The next card here. If you want to travel with your boat a little bit farther to get to another market, you would drop cubes on those islands. That's your tax, your tariff, whatever you want to call. So that aspect is still in the game. But I like this implementation better. I like how you have to plan that out. A lot more strategy, a lot more depth planning has to be done on your part. So for me, I mean, this game as a whole is one big step up from the original now i still love the original the original is a great gateway game for me Mm -hmm. and pushing cubes but for me this is the gamers game right here people
1: stop listening go buy it there's also other things you can do on your turn too for example one of the actions you could take is actually to claim victory points around the board there are four ports on the edge of the board you got to move your ship there if you have the right color combination of cubes to turn in at that port you claim that victory point token and turn in those cubes. Every, you can move on every turn, but once you do that, you have an option of either building a market uh, and then taking the action of that market. You can land on a port to grab victory points, or if you just need some quick cubes, you get to take two of the yellow cubes, which are the lowest value cubes. And just like in the original game, there's different values of cubes. Black is the most valuable, then green, then red, then yellow. So there's multiple things that you can do on your turn. But Again, the whole goal is to, is actually on Tony is generate an engine. It's an engine building game. Make sure to have the right markets that you can use in order to move around the board and use that engine to create the cubes you need to go collect the victory points.
0: Yes, but it's more of a challenge in that engine because once again, they could be spread out for what you want to do based on the victory point tiles in the markets or in the docks. Now, two aspects that we don't have a lot of time here, Marty, just want to touch on that effect of being a sudden winning token coming up when you're sitting at a dock that doesn't happen because a dock goes gets closed and when you then have to move to another dock if you want to claim some other victory points or someone can't just pounce on it that was huge to me i like that aspect of the game
1: that was very important yeah but it's one of those things where you felt like if you claimed a token sitting at a port right you draw another new one what happens if the one you draw happens to be one you can immediately claim? Emerson, fixed that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. once you claim one, that port's closed. Your butt's got to leave and go to another port.
0: And then there's the whole aspect of placing your markets, which you've already mentioned. When you're doing that, when you clear a certain tile, a, a vertical column, you get a special bonus. Also, there are victory points for placing markets. So you've got to factor that in. Like I said, I really enjoy this game. It's a definitely, gamers, gamers, and it is a step up. It's a win for me.
1: Yeah, same, same here. Like you said, there's multiple ways to get victory points this game, just not those victory point tokens, because you can also claim bonus tiles, which gives you victory points and extra abilities. And the more markets you claim, the more points that you unlock on your own board that you can count at the end of the game. Big thumbs up, and I can't wait to see where the third version of this game goes. Five-minute initiative is complete.
0: So Marty, when the topic is just right, I will participate on Instagram. Epic Gaming's podcast Favorite Fridays. He has a whole bunch of topics.
1: <laughs> when the topic is just right, it's just like just right. I, it's like no. I am sorry, Roy from Epic Game Nights. I will not participate because it is just not right. Well,
0: he recently did one as your favorite IP-based game, and I'm like. I got nothing here. Besides, it would be a repeat. You, what do you mean you got nothing? Because I know what your favorite ip paste game would be. Exactly, would be but... With but I just did that one. I don't want to oh. be a broken record. I mean, he says, what game have you collected a whole bunch of? And I turn around my big old case with my broken token insert from my, um, the arts case. What is that? What's that? What is that? What is that what is that called? The art case? The the hobby case, the painter's
1: case. Yeah. Yeah. The art supply case that you get from Hobby Lobby, and then you can put this insert in from broken token, which you can go check out at the broken token.com. There are
0: commercials later. Let's not get oh, started. Sorry. So All anyway, right. So you turn it. I turned the case around and said, Lord of the Rings, LCG is my favorite collector's game. With a really grumpy look on your face. Why don't you smile when you do these? Because people would be disappointed. <laughs> would
1: they? Would they? Because the next game that we're getting ready to talk about, you had a big old smile on your face, a thumbs up, and people loved it. It's like, wow, looky there. Tony looks so happy. It brings joy into my life.
0: Yeah, right, whatever. So um, anyway, so he, he comes back and says, what's your favorite IP? And I'm like, well, I don't want to do the Lord of the Rings thing again. No, nah, that's just repeating. So, But shortly thereafter, Fantasy Flight tells us it's time to go there and back again. Mm-hmm. The collector's edition of the Lord of the Rings getting ready for that online version of this game that you and I unfortunately may not participate in because of something uh, age of sigmar thing champions you got going down here
1: hey hey, there's no reason why you can't do two yeah there is it's called money well i mean the uh the online version of the lord of the rings is is free to play
0: yes it is but this collector's edition that you and i were reading about first off don't send me a link (laughs) <laughs> and say, you need to go check this out. And so I'm pulling this up on my phone because it's, it's blocked at work. And I'm looking through it and I can't, it, my phone's not giving me the price. So I'm getting all salavid up, you so,
1: know, uh, drooling. Let me set this up. Let me tell you what's in this, in this, oh. what Tony was drooling about. So early access to the living, the online living card game, which is which is fine. It'll be free anyway. You get a two-player limited edition starter four art prints depicting four of the heroes, a special replica of the One Ring, Mm -hmm. an MP3 soundtrack, Mm -hmm. a custom collector's edition playmat, which is a gorgeous uh, Gorgeous. playmat of a map, and all in-game founders packs automatically unlocked, which is in the the electronic game, and various in-game cosmetics awards, which is, again, the the digital version. Now, what was so funny is that night, uh, Tony, you and I got together to do some gaming, and you are like, why'd you send me that? I'm in. I am all in. I'm I in. am all in. My and then precious. I went, and I was surprised. I went, really? I, I had no idea. And I said, you're willing to spend $100 on that? No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony's face like dropped. Well, nope, I will not be buying that. <laughs> I'm sorry. $100. I guess the
0: biggest problem about that is, yeah, you get this stuff, but I'm spending $100 on a map, some fake Lord of the Rings thing that I I got on a bookmark somewhere in this house. And I'm like, what good is this? This is for
1: electronic cards. Well, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, you do get a lot of electronic stuff, but you're getting a limited collector's edition of basically two two starter decks. So True. you are getting physical product. And they're like uh, new art pieces of uh, cards. Thing is that we probably already have a lot of those cards in our set. It's just a different Art of it, yeah. Because I've already
0: declared on Favorite Fridays that uh, that's the thing I collect. I don't play it, but I've collected. It's so, <laughs> so, so freaking good. I need. I. Just, oh.
1: Yeah, it's it's a shame that uh it was priced like that because I was kind of into it too, and I thought yeah. I honestly thought this was going to be like sixty bucks because mm-hmm. I was sitting there thinking the regular uh, Lord of the Rings starter set is. Uh, was it $40, $39.95? Yeah, and I thought for twenty more dollars I'll get a play mat and a little you know little ring. Nope, a mm-hmm. uh, hundred dollars. A
0: hundred dollars. I just I yeah I'm not complaining. Yeah, I am complaining about the price, but it's just something I cannot justify for something. I know you're getting the two star. It's electronic. Fine, I get that. How long will it last for a hundred dollars? Well, again,
1: it, that's. To me, that's just add-ons. The $100 you're paying is for cards and a ring and mat and art and Ah. a soundtrack. I think the digital stuff's just thrown in.
0: Okay, fine. Soundtrack, guess what? YouTube type, uh, Lord of the Rings soundtrack, on YouTube, guess what? You'll get all the tracks from um, Return of the King, The Two Towers, you know, The Hobbit. You can play it. You got four hours of soundtrack music if you want. it. I bet if I yelled Alexa right now, she
1: could tee up me some Lord of the Rings. She would because she has that on there. I was going to say you could just ask Alexa and, and she would play it for you. The whole point of this is don't send me a link.
0: Tease <laughs> me with all this goodness and then drop a price on me later. You know how cheap I am.
1: Okay. I, n- I know how cheap you are. So l- let me tell you this. I don't know if you I saw this. I don't know if I sent you a link to this. So well, You better not if it's going to cost me money. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't know what it cost. <laughs> I just I just read about it. When you and I first got into the Lord of the Rings CCG, one of the big draws we had to that game that we kept going back to as we played more CCGs is that the multiplayer rules for that game Tony, I thought was close to flawless. Yes. Uh, uh, The reason being is because you have a lot of issues with multiplayer... If it's a two-player game and they throw in multiplayer rules, it never seems to work because it tends to be like a free-for-all. But the way they had the rules done for the Lord of the Rings CCG is you basically always had one person playing as the freeze people. And everybody else was playing as the uh, the bad people, the evil people attacking against you. And when it was the next person turn, then they took over playing as playing the, as the good person. So it all worked out. Everybody was attacking the same people every turn. But when I told people that, people constantly told me back then, well, you need to check out Vampire, uh, The Eternal Struggle, which was a CCG uh, back in the 90s. They said that actually has the best multiplayer rules. Well, Tony, you and I never got a chance to because by the time we were kind of getting into the uh, CCGs, that game was kind of fading away and was gone. And I thought, oh, well, never get to try it. Well, it was just announced that they're actually going to try to reprint that game. Now, they haven't released any details. I'm really hoping and praying that it's not a CCG. But if it's a LCG type game, it would give us a chance to maybe try out this multiplayer rules. Everybody just raved about even more so than the Lord of the Rings CCG.
0: Yeah, even if it is a, a CCG, TCG hey, let's buy a couple starters and see how it goes. We don't have to invest that much, but just compare it. Just see how it goes. See if we like the engine. See if we like how they do the resources, all that. And then give it a try for the multiplayer.
1: Well, yeah, that's cool because then we can finally compare the two rule sets because uh, Tony, to be honest with you, since then, I don't think we've ever come across a CCG or card game that they tried to implement two-player or multiplayer rules in that really worked better than what we found with Lord of the Rings.
0: Hey, for me, I think the biggest thing is we can buy a couple of starters, try this out. And if anything, you know, just see, we don't have to invest a lot in this. We just need to give it a shot. See if it's what <laughs> they say it is.
1: <laughs> so, so over the past two episodes, <laughs> I've now got you committed to try Age you of saw. Sigmar Champions, uh, maybe the electronic version of Lord of the Rings, and maybe Vampire the Eternal Struggle. You're going to kill me.
0: Uh, it's okay. I'm used to this crap. I've been doing this for six years now.
1: Six? Six? try like 18. Okay. Yeah, that
0: too. Okay, fine. Just I'm in for it all. Just go ahead. Do it. I'm not going to ever get my new mower buying too many games. So if you're going to Gen Con and participating in a strike tournament and eating spaghetti with us, you can also get this Marty uh-huh. you can you can also avoid shipping calls because what? Broken, how you know, can you do that? order from the broken token uh-huh. by July 13th and select pick up at Gen Con 2018 don't do it for 2017 because time travel's not invented yet alright under the shipping options. So once again, by July 13th, pick up at Gen Con 2018 and it will be free to pick up. So you save yourself that shipping charge. Makes that Gen Con purchase even better. Oh, you got nothing to say about that? Well, I got more to say then. (laughs)
1: I just you were on a roll, man. I was just letting you go.
0: Over at I know this isn't the miniature market spot, this is the broken token, but if you go over to miniature market and pick up your Gloomhaven copy because they have some in stock, you can now go ahead and purchase your Gloomhaven organizer that it weighs five hundred pounds that takes a lot to ship and therefore you can pick it up at Gen Con and then you'll be overweight for your luggage to fly home.
1: <laughs> I was but, either, gonna say, yeah.
0: <laughs> but for either way, Free pickup at Gen Con 2018, get it in by July 13th. That's TheBrokenToken.com.
1: As we mentioned earlier, one of the hot games that was released to Origins because it was smart for Plan B to release a hot game at Origins instead of waiting until Gen Okay, I won't start that again. <laughs> was Coimbra. Co- Hold on, Tony. I actually had this pulled up on how-to-pronounce page. Let me put it in my ear again. Coimbra. I'm, I'm totally butchering that, but at least I'm not going to say Coimbra, like we were saying that night when we were playing, okay? This is a city in Portugal, Tony. You remember, okay. remember, you remember Lisboa? Yeah. Lisboa was a Portugal. There's a there's this, this thing about having a Euro-themed games around cities in, in Portugal. This game is designed by Flaminia, Brazina, and Virginio G- 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 Gigli. This is published by Mill, and also you obviously brought over here by Plan B Games. Coimbra. 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 I just like to say that now. I know. Stop. Coimbra. Stop. Enough. Okay. So you sound
0: like Stephen Bonacore on his podcast when he's trying to do it. And I can't make fun of you. But Ignacy falls out every time Bonacore tries to say a foreign name because he can't do it it's just hilarious and we can't either and we really no. need to practice after all these years we just can't do it can
1: Well we? again that's why i said i got i pulled up the page how to pronounce Coimbra and that's that. That's the best I could do, Tony. This was a really interesting uh, Euro game to me. I'd heard a lot about this because it came out at uh, Essen last year. There were people talking about it uh, then. Back then, there's there's the mechanics in it. There's card drafting, dice rolling, uh, set collection. So, so there's dice in it. And Tony, when there's whenever there's dice in a Euro game, I get a little bit concerned. It's like. How are dice going to work in a Euro game? But as we've talked before, Tony, Lorenzo El Manifico uses dice brilliantly. So I said, let's give this a shot. But Tony, what was so funny about this is I read the rules to this game the rules I thought were pretty straightforward. But when I was done, I didn't understand what to do with those rules. It's like, I understand what to do on my turn, but I don't know why I want to do any of those things.
0: The rules did not make the strategy evident to you.
1: Correct. That's it. That's it. When I, when I, usually when I finished reading the rules, I realized, okay, if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to get victory points. I didn't pick that up. When I finished the rules with this, I could explain how to play the game, I just didn't know how to play the game. You know, that's understandable. I mean, think about Lorenzo, the same thing.
0: I mean, when you told me that this game had dice like Lorenzo, you had me there. You could put a period on it. You could put an exclamation point on it. This game is like somewhat Lorenzo El Mignifico, And of course that was my game of the year in 2017. Okay. Let's see how she stacks up here. But you talked about the rules and one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, I hate belaboring rules. Lord knows, let's just play a turn. But in this game, there's four rounds. That's it. So, you know, you can't really do that preemptive rule on the first turn. You got to get going in this. But I love how these boards are laid out so that even simple minds like myself can understand it. We know that the first thing you got to do in the rules is you got to roll the
1: dice. Plain and simple, right? Yeah. And there are, th- there are 13 dice and there are there's one white dice, which is a wild card. And then there are three dice of four different colors, and each of those colors represents an influence track on the board. And by the way, these are D6s. Step A. This is easy as your alphabet. Okay, so we're rolling dice. So first player,
0: he's rolling some dice. B. You're going and drafting dice and taking a dice that you draft, and you are placing it on the one of the four cities on the board. So roll dice, draft dice,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: place in the city. Simple enough. So that's A, B, C, do the actions of the cities. And there are collect tiles
1: or draft cards from the various city quarters that are there. Each city has four character cards in it, right? And that's what right. you're going to be drafting from. Yep. D,
0: after you've draft, you got your cards, you bring the dice back to your tableau. D, reset player order based on the number of crowns the people have collected. Simple enough. Ah, so you can't change player order in this game. Okay. Right. So D, you're done there. E. A, B, C, D, E. Yeah, I'm right. Okay, just checking. Now, use the dice you drafted to activate the resources in the towers based on where you are in the track. And the resources are coins, guard shield symbols. Guards, yeah. Guards. Move your guy on the monastery. And what's the fourth one? Victory points! Victory points! There you go. And activate the cards that you collected in C. But remember that some of the cards have instantaneous actions that you would have gotten when you drafted them. Yep. Some cards go into slot E that you will activate when you go to the E phase. And some cards have end game scoring that goes when you get to the end game. Okay. F, go on a voyage. There are six cards that allow you to go on a voyage. You place your token, you pay their cost. And that's a way to gather more victory points at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. A, B, C, D, E, F. There is
1: no G. Rinse and repeat. That's all there is to that. That's it. You're done. That's the game. Three more times. And see, that's that's what got me, Tony, is those steps are really flipping straightforward, right? It's just like but I don't know what to do with those. And I think that's one of those things. This is one of those Euro games that I don't think you can sit there and read and go, okay, I know exactly how to play this game to the best of efficiency. Let's go. I think it took like, took us like two turns to realize, oh, this is kind of what you want to do. This is kind of one of the reasons why I want to draft these types of dice with these values. And that's what really, that's when the light bulb kind of went off for all of us and go, Oh, ah, okay. So then the next game, we we can hit the ground running at that point.
0: Yeah. But let's break it down. So A is pretty simple. Everybody knows how to roll dice. Yes. I keep waiting for you to say, take names. I keep waiting for you wanting to end the show.
1: I keep wanting to, but I keep biting my tongue.
0: So let's talk about B a little bit, the drafting yeah. phase of it. When you're rolling those dice and drafting them, it's amazing
1: just the complexity. People are like, oh, you just pick them. Nope. No, no, no. This, this is the AP inducing part of the, the round, yes. right, Tony? A yes. through F of all of them, B is where you're going to spend most of the time in the game, I think.
0: I agree. Completely agree. Because, I mean, you're sitting there because in the various four city sectors, because the, the castle sector allows you to gain, gain tiles that mm-hmm. are free of charge. Now, here's the key to these dice. Whatever dice you pick, determines when you get to draft either uh, the tile or the card number, but it also determines the cost. So you're like, well, I want to go first to get that card. So I'm going to take the six. Well, it's going to cost you six in either coins or guard shields on your player board in order to get that. You get to go first, but it's going to cost you more. And there's where all that strategy comes in. Did I enjoy this? This was love at first roll.
1: Boy, and, and if you saw a picture that I posted on Twitter last week, we lost grumpy Tony and got a happy Tony because he was in. even with the AP, even with the slump. Because uh, what you do is uh, when it's a person's turn to draft, you don't draft all your dice. No, you take one die and you immediately place it. Then the next person goes. And like like Tony said, as you place the dice in the cities, you go ahead and sort them uh, by value. The castle is sorted by lowest to highest the lowest gets the first pick of those tiles and those tiles tony i think they just kind of gave you they gave you extra money they gave you some victory points it was like instantaneous but it was free but now the other three cities where you're drafting these character cards which are really the crux of the game Mm -hmm. the highest value went first and then resolved from there so if i placed a one pip die in one of the cities more than last i'm going to get last pick of whatever's left i
0: mean you're sitting there you're thinking oh my gosh I know it when by the time I get to the bottom city district that if I'm going to take the ones just so I can afford those cards, it may be gone. And like you said, those cards determine what you're going to do because on those cards, you have actions that can either help you gain money or gain shields or activate special powers that can happen later to help your engine. There's just so many options there. We can't go through all of them, but that is your engine. It's driving your engine that you have to build to accelerate your victory points. Mm -hmm. Oh, and these cute little ramparts that you put your dice in. At first, I thought this was gimmicky. This isn't gimmicky. This
1: keeps you from flipping the dice over. Yep, it keeps you and lets you know what dice is whose because each of those ramparts are, are color-coded. And you mentioned the three types of cards earlier, Tony. When you draft a card, if it's an instantaneous, there's an action you just immediately take and then you put it off the side of your player tableau. If it's an if it's a type E card, that's going to be a card that actually uh, is a, has a passive element that goes over the entire game, and that's part of the strategy. You may say, well, this card says that every time maybe I uh, take this action, I get a bonus, or every time I grab this type of particular color card, then I get something from it. And then the last type, like you said, is just uh, in, in game victory condition. So if you grab one of those, it's like, well, this gives you a goal. I'm going to try to fulfill this uh, in game victory point card to try to grab as many victory points as I can. So you've got all those decisions to make. But what I think is interesting about this, Tony, is that at this point in the game, in this phase, the color of the dice doesn't matter at it does all. Not, mm, does not matter. So we're through that. We, we, we've drafted. We've, we've gone
0: through phase C life is good dice have come back to our tableau we're now in determining
1: first player yeah there there's crowns on those uh most of the a lot of the crowns come from the tiles themselves the uh, the ones at the top that were free uh they have one of them has one one has two one has three crowns and then wherever you are in your order and i like this the person who's lowest in the order automatically gets two crowns to count towards their crown total the person in first place gets none So there's a little bit of catch-up mechanic for that person that's at the bottom so they can move up in the player order. But that's where you determine your new player order for the next round.
0: And there's even crowns on the cards that you drafted back in C that help add to that. So if you want to go first, all that comes into your thought process of how will that roll out there on determining who gets to roll the dice and draft first. But let's move on. Let's go to E. Mm. All right. Now the dice color matter. Yeah. Right? And... Based on which colors you pick, you then get to claim your rewards on how well you've moved up into the tracks of the tower.
1: Yeah, because each of the character cards, regardless of whichever one you take, you're going to get to move up one of your tokens and one of your influence uh, columns. The higher you go, the more that you're going to get of that thing at this particular phase. So every character card is a one of those four basic colors that help you move your little token up those tracks that will be resolved at this point in time.
0: Okay, so we know you're gonna get more gold, you're gonna get more shields, and you're gonna get victory points. But there is this aspect in this one tower where you are moving your pilgrim through the monasteries. Yes. The monasteries we haven't even touched on.
1: The whole other oh. part of the game It's actually the the largest part of the board itself is a map with all these monastery tiles on the board that when you land uh, one of your, uh, your meeple on one of those monasteries, you put one of your old disk tokens to indicate that you've been there and you get to take the action of that monastery, which is always good. You're mm-hmm. always getting something for doing that.
0: And you've got to plan out your movements through that. you got to determine what you want to do because there are some cards that based on the number of monasteries you visit, you get victory points and you got to plan all that out. Matter of fact, there was one monastery that stood out to me. Every time you visited a monastery, you got a victory point. You jumped on that very quickly. That was smart on your part. So whenever you continued moving and also that's how you can do some of this set collection, which we talked, didn't talk about that's on these cards, these scrolls that are different colors. Oh my God. There's so (laughs) many ways to get victory points. You would think grumpy Tony was there, but there wasn't a Grumpy Tony because I screwed up on the on the scrolls. You got to pay attention to the scrolls in the set collection because the more c- different color scrolls you get, the more victory points you get, which helps you win the freaking game because victory points are how you do it.
1: Yeah, some of the character cards have scrolls on them, not all of them. And like you said, over the course of the game, you're trying to get as many different ones as you can that will count towards the end. Well, one of the monasteries were just like two wild card scrolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how basically I completed my set of five. Uh, so that I could gain the max victory points. But Tony, that last phase is where I got stuck the most. You've got to consider that when you're drafting in the very first round, those colors are going to be affected at the end. So if you're running short on gold, you better flipping get a yellow die so that you can grab the gold when it comes to that phase. If you're short on guards, you need to grab the guard colored die. I think it was red so that you can make sure you activate that column in that phase. That's where my mind was blown, Tony, because what if there was like nothing but high cost yellows and I couldn't afford to pay for a high cost yellow, but I needed the yellow to get the gold. That's where my head started hurting a little bit.
0: Right. But even if you couldn't use or pay for it, at least you had an out back in C
1: where you would get two shields and two gold. You can say, I'm I'm just not going to use that. Ah, and so instead of claiming a character card, you just could have gotten one of those two things instead. That's right. And then near the
0: end, now everybody's like, oh, so you're sitting there in your own little world, your own little city. no, 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 no. Better pay attention to... Somebody who might be running up that victory track because they can snowball that. So you've actually sometimes have to, I don't want to say hate draft, but you Mm. might need to pay attention to that draft to keep them from doing something like running rampant through the monasteries or collecting a whole bunch of victory points. Or if they haven't done a good job collecting gold, they may not be able to go on a voyage, which is step F. Oh, too
1: many options. Yeah, there are because uh, at the like you said, there's one victory point track, and just basically wherever your token is on that track, you just immediately score victory points. So if you see somebody that's way at the top of their track and they're drafting after you, and there's only one color die left for that influence track, even though you might not need it, you might better take it to keep them from getting
0: it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, oh, so many oh, so many good decisions to make, and then finally we can move on to F where we talked about these voyages at the bottom of the board, there are six cards laid out and depending on where they are, they are either going to cost you gold or shields talked about that. And one of the special tiles reduces that cost by two. So that's kind of why you may want to take one of those tiles, but those also impact victory points. Like one that I had combine the influence and the victory point
1: total and you get victory points for that divide by two divide by two. Wow. Yep. And here's the thing. Uh, there are six cards out there. You've only got four rounds. You can only place one of your tokens on those cards once per round. So unless you take that special tile back in the early phase B that allows you to place one extra voyage card, the most you're ever going to get to place was four of the six in-game conditions.
0: Exactly. And you've got to sit there and you got to think, well, if I'm going to take that one, then I need to ramp up these two tracks with my influence. So I need to buy that color card, but wait a minute, that doesn't let me run up the gold. And then I got to go over here and say, well, how's that going to work on my engine? Wait a minute. Those dice are being picked and they're too expensive. So do I really need to go down to that voyage and grab that voyage? Well, should I take that tile to reduce the cost? Oh my heavens. You would think I'd be grumpy after that, but I was. He was was
1: not. I will mention, I mentioned early on there are 13 dice. One of them is white. If you happen to draft the white dice, that's a wild card that you can use in that phase. So you can activate one of the influence tracks. You can influence one of your choice at that point in time. And then, Tony, at the very end of the game, we've talked about all the victory point conditions except for one. You also get victory points based on how you finished uh, on each of the influence tracks at the end of the game. Whoever finished highest got victory points. Second got some, and then third got a little bit less than that. So yet another way for victory points to be created at the end of the game. This is
0: my one problem. Okay, here we go. I like that we're going and building victory points throughout the game. And we've mentioned this on the show before. I'm not a big fan of all of a sudden. Oh, and for wrap up, you need to do victory points for all of this too. I'm not yeah. a big fan of dropping a whole bunch of conditions to get extra victory points at the end of the game. This one has it. Your number of resources divided by two plus a few uh, all of the scrolls we just mentioned. Okay, I'm fine with that one. But I think there was even another one that I, I forget to mention.
1: What was the Voyagers? Uh, the ranks of the influence tracks? There you go. So,
0: okay, Fine. Maybe I shouldn't be so grumpy about that.
1: Well, no, no. I'm just, you're right. There are a lot of things. Oh, and by the way, those uh, character cards, which were in-game victory point conditions, uh, yet another thing to consider. So actually, by the end of fourth round, you have no clues going to win this thing,
0: because I nope. thought I was doing well, and I ended up fourth, but I wasn't that far behind, which kept the smile on my face. Now, if I had gotten killed, that would have been a different story. Yeah. Different story.
1: When people were going crazy about Coimbra back at uh, Essen, I saw it and was like, oh, it's kind of cool, but it's one of those things you got to experience to really appreciate it. So for me, Tony, I don't know that I like it more than Lorenzo. I think I would need to get, uh, We've we've got some plays in. I'd like to get a few more plays, but you know what? As far as a dice-based Euro game, it's up there for me, man. Okay. So for me, my new saying is, I have
0: had fun and this is it. So I enjoyed it. I'm with you though. Lorenzo, especially with the expansion now, it will will be pulled out, but I will be happy to rotate the two, put them in a rotation. I will enjoy both of these games. And what I really like about Lorenzo and this game is I never feel like there is a single strategy to drive out a win because the dice The dice are there and they can, they can mess you up. So I don't think that happens. Also, there's a lot of where the cards come out. There's a lot of different variables in there. So I feel good about that. So for me, this is a game I will happily have on my shelf and I had fun.
1: This is Coimbra being published by Plan B Games. Came out at Origins and uh, you should go check it out in your local game stores or online. Both of us highly recommend it and we see it as fun. So every once in a while, we get contacted by publishers about games that they're coming out with, and see if we have any interest. And uh, Tony, uh, a publisher reached out to me today. Indie Card and Boards, uh, who I'm a fan of because they have the "Don't Mess with Cthulhu" game. Okay. Uh, They're coming out with the deluxe version of that, which I'm excited about. But they they hit me up with something else, Tony. They said, "Would you be interested in a a new game we're coming out uh, called Exodus?" And I went, "Oh well, tell me about it." They said. It's a social deduction game. I went, wait, stop. My co-host, not a big fan of social deduction games. And then he said, it's by Martin Wallace. I went, wait, stop. My co-host happens to like Martin Wallace games. So I said, okay, I, I think maybe, Tony, this is one that I think maybe we should try. Because I we know that you're not a big fan of social deduction games. But you are a fan of Martin Wallace. So maybe here's one that you might actually enjoy.
0: Okay, so social deduction, yes. I hate social deduction games that go on and on and on and on and on with the arguing. I can't stand that. Just eliminate me. So let's play it. Let's see how it stacks up there against all the rest of them. Someday there may be one that I will just jump all over and say, this is the one for me. This is the one I will play. I enjoyed Whereward.
1: Uh You did. So this is called, again, it's Exodus Paris Novo, Nouveau, nouveau. Paris Nouveau. Ooh, it's a long name. Uh, But they're going to be coming out with this in in September. They'll have a look at it at at, uh, Gen Con. So, Tony, they're going to send us a copy, and then we'll check it out and see if maybe this is the uh, social deduction game for you. And strictly, I did this only because... It's done by Martin Wallace. Okay. Well, I tell you what, why don't we walk over to their booth
0: and we'll sit down and play with some people and people can have the true experience of Grumpy Tony playing a social deduction game. We'll just see how that lines up for him. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Speaking of Grumpy Tony, he showed back up the other night. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. It was sad. Sad, 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 sad. All right. Not because of what we're playing. So I said, all right, you brought me steamrollers. I'm like, oh boy, you're going to tick off Bonacore. I'm like, steamrollers is on the table. I uh, so I said, Rebecca, Donna, I'm going to teach you a roll and right game. Donna loves her rolling rights. She loves Quinto Quicks, all of those. She loves those games. Mm-hmm. All right. Rebecca just loves any type of game. She's a chip off the old block. So anyway, I'm playing steamrollers with them. Now, Rebecca kills us. Absolutely wipes the floor. She and I are loving the game. Absolutely loving the game. But this is what got me. And this is nothing about steamrollers. I'm going to ask you, when you're explaining a game with the family or Vanessa, do they look at you and say, well, I think the rule should be, no, the rule should not be this. This rule is this. Well, why isn't it this? Because that's not how the designer did it. He had something else in mind. If he wanted to write the rule that way, he would (laughs) have. I got a smile. I got to be happy and say, no, the rule is this. Well, I don't understand why it's that way. Oh my gosh. Just roll the dice. Play the game. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Don't lick the red off my candy cane here. Let me enjoy steamrollers, which I did thoroughly. I can understand what all the hubbub hubbub is about that game.
1: Hubbub 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 Yeah, I was really disappointed the other night because we were going to play uh, Eastern Wonders and Coimbra. Uh-huh. Uh, we also had steamrollers with us and we just ran out of time and uh, I knew that you would be able to get it to the table quick because your your family likes it and, and you like it. So I'm, I'm really excited to try it sometime. I mean,
0: Rebecca loved it. I loved it. Donna was kind of lukewarm on it, but mm-hmm. she just did not see the strategy in it. How long does it play? First play, it took us an hour. Wow. For a rolling right. That's long, isn't it? Uh, 30 minutes is the minimum. Yeah. I mean, you've got some hard, you don't have as hard a selection issues as we did in, Go ahead and say it. Coimbra. Thank you. But you do have some thought process you need to do there. And it, it's fun. I enjoy I love rolling right games. And this one is definitely there.
1: I'm excited. I can't wait to try it. It was a big seller at uh, Origins. Hey, congratulations, Bonacor, for you know coming out with a uh, game at Origins, getting some buzz. You sold well. That's smart. Yeah, he did. Especially since he kept rolling dice. And taking names. Wow, that was an abrupt ending. I, I keep trying to mess you up, man. That's the way it goes. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, join our BGG Guild 1589, like us on Facebook, and if you want to attend our strike tournament at Gen Con, go to slash RDTN, get your tickets there, or you can support the show there. I just wanted to take time and apologize for the technical issues that I had earlier, but Tony just made me so frustrated and I just got upset and was tearing up things. And doesn't he realize that I'm right in this, right? I mean, don't you want to release a game at at, at Origins and get a little bit more exposure than you you might could at Gen Con? I mean, sure, you're going to release games at Gen Con, but you're competing against everybody at that point. And I mean, come on, you're with me, right? Origins, release one game or two, ground the market, and then later on bring...
0: So, Marty at Miniature Market, one of the key things that I love is getting my emails about the daily deals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of the other neat things is when a web page is very well designed, if you go to each of their categories, I don't know if you knew this, I just learned this. You can see the new releases and it highlights it for you or pre orders that are coming up.
1: Did you know that? I did not know that, Tony. So let me see. If I go over here to... Are you just messing with me? Did you know this? No, I did not. So if I go to abstract games, just Mm -hmm. pull them
0: up. Just go up to the menu, the drop down menu. You will see new releases and upcoming...
1: Looky there. Look at that. Ain't that the bomb? Oh, that is cool. And uh, hey, look at that. Century Easter Wonders is available for pre-order, but we got it at Origins. If you'd have gone Origins, you could have got it early.
0: Stop it. So okay. anyway, at miniaturemarket.com RDTN, once you get past the splash page or even the menu bars there, you can click on that to see all the new releases and the upcoming pre-orders that you may want. Definitely go check it out. Hey, little hacks like that can make you a happy gamer it did for me.